Welcome back to 31 for 31, where I'm releasing 31 songs for my 31st birthday and creating this podcast to share some of the stories behind them all. If you haven't listened to the introduction episode, go back and do that. It's super short and it helps explain in my heart and kind of how the idea for all this took place. It'll make things make sense a lot more in the future. This is the first episode, and while I'm not too big on making titles for all the episodes, this one will probably be called The Beginning because it's pretty much the beginning of songwriting for me. I've never really seen myself as a songwriter. Actually, I didn't write that much at all until about seven years ago, except for one song when I was about eight years old because we had a competition in school to see who could write a song and then some Nashville musician was gonna make it into music. I think I was the only one to turn in my lyrics with a chord sheet and I won. I remember a lot of the words to that song, but I'm not going to sing it on this podcast or probably to anyone ever. (laughs) I don't know why I didn't write. I played guitar since I was a kid, but I got burnt out when I was a teenager. I didn't pick it back up till college. But I've always noticed that when there's a guitar laying around, I'll pick it up and play. I've also noticed that when I take enough time, something comes out. Maybe that's why I started writing more in the summer of 2012 because I definitely had time. At this point, I had already been traveling the world, doing mission work for over two years, but I was coming to a place where I felt God was nudging me to slow down a bit and build something new, although I had no idea what that was. Through different relationships and prayer, I really felt two things, worship and Europe. It's not really that directional, as the first is a foundation to the Christian faith, and the other is an entire continent, but nevertheless... I went for it. I was in Cambodia ending a commitment with an organization I was working for, and I heard about a new worship festival in some field somewhere in England called David's Tent. It sounded like a bit of a Woodstock with worship where everyone camped out, so I bought my tickets and went. It's safe to say at this point in life, I probably wasn't the most humble. I really felt the significance to my trip, and I wasn't planning on just visiting the UK. It was way more ambitious than that. I had plans to hit Berlin, Paris, Amsterdam, and so on. Sort of a European tour to see what God was up to and where I could jump in. The truth was, I only knew two people in all of Europe, and they were both in Spain. I had already visited them for a bit, but a couple weeks later, I found myself stepping off a plane in London. I got on a southbound train, and I was sitting at a bus stop when I met the first and only person I knew in all of the UK. He had a really cool mustache, and looked like he might be going to the same festival, so I introduced myself. Right now is probably an appropriate time to describe what I actually looked like at this, what I would consider now, a low point in style of my life. I had hair long enough to go into a ponytail, but not long enough to look like it should. A beard to go with it, a t-shirt that was probably too short for my six foot four frame because I bought it overseas somewhere. There's a good chance I was wearing those baggy pants you buy at tourist shops in Thailand. I'm honestly surprised the UK Customs agent let me through. I was carrying a guitar, didn't have a return ticket, and when she asked me how much money I had in the bank, I just kind of roughly added up all of my assets and gave her a number. The weekend was incredible. It really changed my life forever, and I'll talk about that more later in other episodes. In fact, I was having such a great weekend that I almost forgot that when it was over, I didn't have any plans. Not even a ride to anywhere. Luckily, one wonderful person I had met let me stay with them in their extra room in their house in London for a week. But not wanting to overstay my welcome, 
I then checked into a hostel above a pub just south of the river in London. I remember waking up in a room with like six other people thinking, what am I doing? If there was ever a honeymoon to this adventure, it was definitely over, and I was ready to move on to the next country. Every day I would look online for flights to another city, but for some reason I just couldn't leave. I really didn't have a lot of friends, and even though I met some people from the festival and got the occasional coffee, it was London, and people had their lives to live. Not me, though. Every day I would wake up, go get a coffee somewhere, take my guitar, and just sit at the park across the street and play by myself. I'd get tired or bored, go find the cheapest lunch I could, and then just walk around London until nighttime. I'd go back to the hostel, pay for another night or two, and go to sleep. Literally, this was my schedule every day for weeks. I was honestly at a real low point, and really lonely, and being lonely in London is the worst, because everyone has somewhere to be or someone to meet or some groundbreaking project they're working on. The most conversations I had every day were with homeless people. I think it was partly because inside I wanted to feel like I was doing some type of ministry or something, but also partly because neither of us had anywhere to go or anything to do. Those days run together quite a bit, so I don't remember the exact day, but at some point I sat in that park on the bench and wrote the first song I had written in years. I don't think I can do the things you want me to, but I know, I know there's grace. Yeah, I know, I know there's grace. The character behind your heart How you won't give up You won't let go Until you've saved my soul And you're still saving my soul But if I had wings like a dove fly away and rest I'd go lodge in the wilderness Cause I don't think I can do the things you want me to but I know I know there's grace I know I know there's grace Oh take me 
gone too far and break me back here another time another year cause your love is so great it almost pushes me away but it casts out all my fear yeah it casts out all my fear So give me wings like a dove To fly into your will To go where you want me to And I know sometimes My faith seems so small You say, I'll take it all Oh Lord, please take it all When you slow down in life, you start to look around you and see all the people that fast-paced life has left behind. Or maybe they decide to leave the fast-paced life. Either way, you start to see people in a new light. When I think about London, I have all these flashbacks of the moments that I slowed down. I remember Kyle, an elderly man I met on the tube stop. It was one of those moments when everyone was trying to push their way onto a train, super chaotic, and then the train leaves in about 15 seconds it goes from crazy to silent. You look around and there's about three other people awkwardly staring at each other because they missed the train. I noticed that Kyle was sitting on a bench and waiting. He had a brace on his right wrist, so I decided to stop, ask him if he wanted prayer for it. He accepted and he was able to start moving his wrist and all the pain went away. He was amazed and I was probably more amazed than he was. One time, I was walking down the street and stopped for this homeless guy that was sitting in a wheelchair. He lost both of his legs up to his knees, and so I decided just to sit and talk with him for a while. He went on and on about his life for what seemed like forever. If I actually had somewhere to be, I promise I would have left. After listening, he said, Man, thanks so much for listening to me, and not just praying for my legs and leaving. Everybody just comes up and prays for my legs or gives me food and then leaves. Every week, I had tea with a man named Graham. He was in his 60s, and I never knew where he came from or where he went after we had tea or really what he did with his life. And I can't even remember where we met, but I do know that he loved talking about God. And even though half the time I couldn't really understand where he was going, the other half, he would just speak the most simple truths over my life. And he never let me leave without a word from God. Things just seemed to happen when I slowed down and became available. But it wasn't something that I wanted to do or really found much value doing. In that season, I really just felt like crap. But still, somehow I knew God was in it. I think one of the scariest things to me about having a relationship with God isn't so much that he would ask me to do something crazy or go to some dangerous place. The scariest thing to me would be to realize that he actually didn't care about what I was doing. That the things I put my time and energy into 
weren't that important to him when it's all said and done. Up until this time in my life, I felt pretty accomplished. I had graduated university, started ministries, led trips, traveled around the world, but to just stop and be with God and experience the silence in life that came with it, it was really scary. And it still is any time I feel like he's asking me to do this, to kind of step away and be with him. To be confronted with how much more for years I had been talking about God rather than talking to God, that really shook me up. And in some way, I could feel that it grieved God as well. There's a really fine line between loneliness and solitude. And as I look back, I think about how for many times I missed finding the good stuff with God because I was too focused on where I thought God was telling me to go rather than just sitting with him in the present. Like I mentioned again with a lot of these songs, I don't remember when I wrote them, but I remember finding myself in that same park, on that same bench, once again singing a new song.
thoughts you have for me You gave me new eyes so I could see the things I've always wanted to see You filled up my lungs with your presence so I can breathe you in and out Oh Lord, that's what life is all about Oh Lord, that's what life is all about Oh that's what life is all about. Oh, that's what life is all about. After a few weeks, something finally came up that proved itself to be the reason I just couldn't leave the UK. During this time in London, every Friday I would go to a church service just off of Oxford Street. The pastor of the church, Les, loved worship. And he was the first preacher that I saw who almost always cut his sermon short, if not canceling it completely, just to spend more time worshiping. He knew my heart for worship, too. And he told me about this event that someone was organizing to do 30 days of nonstop worship over the upcoming 2012 Olympics. This sounded like something I'd love to do, and it's not like I had anything else on my schedule. So in just a matter of days, I found myself living in Leytonstone, East London, at an old vicarage that belonged to this Church of England parish who was hosting the event. My role for the event was to get in contact with worship leaders and fill the 220-something two-hour slots that were available. Clearly, this was a questionable responsibility for someone who knew almost no one in the entire country, but hey, why not? Somehow, we pulled it off. But the thing about being the guy responsible for scheduling is that when someone doesn't show up or doesn't sign up for a slot, I had to find a way to fill it. From the beginning, I was religiously determined to never let the music stop. Some people were like, hey, if no one shows up, don't worry about it, just turn on the CD player. But I wasn't going to let that happen. This meant that quite often, I'd have to wake up at like 3 a.m., walk down the street to the church. Inside the building, there were likely three people. One person in the kitchen making tea. Another person in the sanctuary rocking back and forth, praying in tongues just to stay awake. And then another person who pretty much just gave up completely and was snoring. If I hit a loud note, they'd sometimes wake up, look around real quick, and act like they were just meditating or doing something holy before falling back asleep. The truth is, is at 9 p.m. on a Friday night, worship is cool. It's exciting. You can really feel the energy. People walk out saying stuff like, man, the presence was so thick in there. Or, did you see the glory in that last set? The leader was so anointed. At 2 a.m., the same night, it's less cool, but there's still the core group who take pride in what they're doing, the hardcore ones who will burn through the night. And they'll come out saying stuff like, man, there's such a sweet spirit in the room right now. But at 10 a.m. on a Tuesday morning, there's nothing cool about what's going on. And no one comes out saying anything because no one's there. People are doing emails upstairs, and there's pretty much two people in the sanctuary, the worship leader and the lady running the vacuum cleaner. We always prayed for people before they led, and I remember after the prayer was over, having to tell some people that we were going to have to vacuum clean during their set and hoping they weren't offended. Looking back, I really don't think there was a more formative time for me as a worship leader than an environment like that. It's easy to get a room full of people excited and sing songs everyone knows, but when no one around you cares, you have to connect with God on another level. I can't even begin to tell you how much I learned. One time, I had to leave worship for six hours straight. Even if I had sang every worship and every secular song I knew, it wouldn't have been long enough. But it's so true that when we reach the end of our own self, 
worship really starts. I learned to listen to what God was saying and sing it. I learned to wait on God. I learned that if you just let things happen in the room that I was unfamiliar with or uncomfortable with, you would just see where the Holy Spirit took control. When I didn't have any more songs in mind to sing, I'd just start singing about my day. One time, I started singing to God about what I thought about different candy bars, especially with how much I didn't like Lion Bars, a British candy bar that has a really exciting package, but inside is really disappointing. It was like, God, I'm so thankful that you're not like a Lion Bar. You're exciting on the outside, but good in the inside too. Like, nothing rhymed. Wasn't even a rhythm to it, but I'm sure someone wasn't even in the room at that point. It's amazing how quickly something seemingly surface just goes into deep in a holy moment with God. I don't remember writing any worship songs during that time, but I think that's kind of cool because I don't think they were meant to be recorded. One song I do remember recording. I was sitting on my bed on the top story of that old parish home. I was waking up after another late night set. I grabbed my old iPod touch, open up the voice memo, and press record. You remember in the intro when I said that some songs embarrassed me? Well, this is definitely one of those songs. <laughs> I don't know why I wrote this other than the fact that during a lot of these late night sets, God would speak to me about his church. I had been reading in Hosea where God asked the prophet to marry a prostitute. It's a heartbreaking book and something about Jesus' love for his bride and his church and the fact how much he loves us in the ugly and uncool is the beginning to understanding how we can actually worship him at all. What more do you want than this? Whoa. 
We could do the things you always like to do. Go the places that make me think of you. Is it something more than this? Oh, what more do you want than this? Whoa. Cause now I've run out of fancy words that I can say. Yeah, we've argued once or twice to get you away But it's not enough cause I thought I loved But your definition seems to require more What's all this for? Oh. Well I give, I gave and I made so many sacrifices But still I feel so small And I know, I know there's more, even more than I know who you are. From the outside looking in, it looks fine, but oh, inside I'm dying. I'm dying. trying to do show me the love is less about me and more about you there's nothing more than this oh there's nothing more than this oh